Good evening. Today is Wednesday, February 22nd, and we're studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is There is a Solution, and our speaker tonight is Catherine A. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you so much. Um, thanks for inviting me to speak tonight. I am Catherine A., a recovered compulsive overeater from Ontario, Canada. I, uh, I really appreciate the chance to talk tonight about the chapter, There's a Solution and My Step One Experience, because it's a, a great reminder for me of exactly why I need this program, uh, why I need the OA Fellowship, and most importantly, why I need the 12 steps. There's, there's a lot of hope for me in the chapter, There is a Solution, uh, as the title kind of obviously suggests. Uh, as a newcomer, I came to Overeaters Anonymous looking for a solution to my compulsive overeating. And here's this book telling me that there is a solution. So obviously I'm interested. And it talks about a common solution, a way out on which we can absolutely agree. Something that's going to work for everybody. It talks about thousands of people being recovered. Uh, it says the purpose of this book is to answer such questions as what do I have to do to get over this hopeless condition of mind and body? Um, but before it actually gives me a solution, it takes some time to dig into the problem. So it spends some time on pages 20 to 25, really outlining the, the problem. And it's important for me to read those pages and to spend time reading about the nature of the illness and reminding myself of how this addiction presented in my life so that I can be really certain that this is the program that I need. Because maybe it's not, maybe it's not right for everybody. Maybe it's, you know, the, the chapter outlines various, various types of drinkers and not, not everyone maybe needs the 12 steps. Maybe there are different solutions for different people. Um, so before I dive in, I want to be fully sure that this is, that I need this so that, and be fully aware of my own powerless, powerlessness and unmanageability of my life before I can be willing to do what it takes to really recover. So, I'm going to start off tonight by sharing a bit of my story uh, and what it was like before I came to the rooms of OA and what convinced me that this was the right place for me, that it was worth it, worth the time, the effort to follow the directions in the big book. And I really hope that by sharing my story, there is someone on the line tonight or listening to the recording who will be able to identify with with my experience and maybe be convinced that this way of life can work for them too. So I have been a compulsive overeater for most, if not all of my life. I don't have any specific memories of compulsive eating before middle school, but I know that some of my earliest memories revolve around food. Um, Definitely my earliest memory is the day my sister was born. I have no memory of her, but I remember what I had for lunch. Um, 
it was always a running joke in my family that what I remembered the most about any family event or trip was always the food, uh, never the people I was with or the actual experience. Um, but really, no matter when or why or how it started, what I know today is that I have a long history of using food to numb my emotions. Uh, so much so that at some point, the association between emotion and food became so strong that I would actually feel my emotions as hunger. So I would get an, an instinct to go to the food, like go to the fridge, go to the cupboard uh, before and sometimes instead of recognizing that what I was actually feeling was discomfort or shame or fear. Um, and even beyond that, beyond emotional eating, um, I know that I also have the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind that is talked about in the doctor's opinion. Uh, when, I, when I heard that the idea of the, uh, the physical craving, that allergy of the body that gets, uh, that gets triggered when, when, that, uh, when I have like one bite of my trigger substance, uh, that just resonated with me so much. I was like, that's my experience. So once I, once I start, I can't stop and I can't stop from starting again. Uh, without measuring an appropriate portion size, I have no ability to tell when I should stop eating. Uh, once I start eating any of my trigger foods, I will not stop eating until I run out. Even once I run out, I'll be compelled to continue. Uh, I might be able to exert my willpower for short or even long periods of time uh, to prevent my, myself from giving into the compulsion, but my willpower would always run out at some point because willpower is not the right tool for that job. And even when I was doing that, even when I could stay away from the food, when I could fight those compulsions, I'd still be thinking about and obsessing about the food that I wasn't eating. Uh, and that, that isn't freedom. So in my years of active compulsive eating, uh, sometimes the compulsion presented as leaving social gatherings with friends and family so I could rush to the store to get more of my trigger foods. Uh, sometimes it was uh, taking lots of breaks from work so that I could go get more and more sugary snacks. Sometimes it was sitting in restaurants with friends, not paying attention to what anyone was actually saying because I was trying to figure out how I could manipulate someone into giving me the rest of the food on their plate or maybe ordering dessert so I wasn't the only one who was going to order it. Um, sometimes I would even, I would try to control the overwhelming cravings with a healthy alternative and end up binging on you know, all the fruit or vegetables in the house, uh, which is always torturously unsatisfying because uh, it doesn't, doesn't hit the craving, but then you still been eating. Um, I even like multiple times, not just once, multiple times tried eating unsweetened baking chocolate, hoping that it would taste and like hit that craving. It does not, but yet I tried it multiple times. Uh, 
So the compulsions would always lead me to, you know, be rushing out uh, to, to the store uh, at parties, you know, standing right next to the appetizer table to like refill my plate over and over again. And I could not understand why the other people at the party were just like over there talking to other people and like letting the food just sit there. I couldn't understand that. Um, you know, leaving, you know, watching movies with, with my family or having conversations with my family, always going back to the kitchen to, to reload my, my plate or my bowl, eating in secret, hiding wrappers at the bottom of garbage cans, trying to avoid anybody seeing how much I had eaten, uh, avoid getting any questions. And when I let the compulsions run unchecked, um, you know, without trying to restrict or fight them, I would gain significant weight quickly with no leveling off and completely beside any judgment of, of weight, size, or shape. I just personally felt really gross and I hated constantly growing out of my clothes and having my pants split because they were too small. Uh, I didn't know how to process the compulsions through any language other than that of like weight gain, weight loss, dieting, looking for a healthy lifestyle. Uh, I did lose 70 pounds the year I turned 19 using a conventional weight loss program where I restricted and over-exercised enough through the week to make up for binging the night before all of my points reset on Monday. And then I spent my early 20s regaining and re-losing the same 20 to 30 pounds multiple times, getting harder each time. Um, and then when I was in my mid-20s, I encountered the concept of food addiction and the idea of abstaining from certain foods to, um, to address that addiction. And it helped me to see to start to see my relationship with food in a different light and actually be able to have the language to put around it that recognize myself as an addict. I found out at that time about the existence of OA and other food fellowships, did a quick Google search, didn't see any OA meetings around that were, uh, that fit with my schedule, you know? And so I said, no, nah, I can just do it on my own. You know, that's, I've, I've got, so much willpower. I, I can do abstinence on my own. And so, because I thought I knew the solution, you know, I hadn't read the big book yet. I thought I knew the solution was abstinence. So I was just going to be, I was just going to be abstinent. Uh, and I didn't need to, you know, waste my time going to uh, these, these group support meetings. And yeah, I just really wasn't willing to admit powerlessness yet. And absence on my own power worked for, you know, a few months. But as it says on page 24, the fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. And 
that's exactly what happened with me. Um, you know, I was successfully abstinent on my own willpower for a few months, but uh, then my partner and I decided to start a family, got pregnant, and I gave myself a bunch of excuses to give into my cravings. And basically, by the time I gave birth, I had allowed myself to completely forget that I'd even recognized myself as an addict. I convinced myself that there that the best way to set an example for my daughter was to eat everything in moderation. But flash forward three years and I was finding every excuse to make bonding time with my daughter a opportunity to eat my trigger foods. Like every time it was just her and me, we were gonna do something special that always involved one of my trigger foods. So not the greatest example. So the day that I finally knew that I'd had enough wasn't actually anything, there wasn't anything particularly special about that day as opposed to any other particular day. Um, I had actually lost 20 pounds in the past year from another cycle of restricting enough through the work week that to balance out my weekend binges but the weekends were getting longer and the last five pounds weren't coming off. And I considered maybe just giving up and, you know, just maintaining where I was. And honestly, it was that thought. It was the thought of what I would have to do to maintain where I was. It was so exhausting. I realized it would mean fighting against myself, against these compulsions every day, every week for the rest of my life. And the only alternative I could see was giving into the compulsions completely. And either way, my life felt completely unmanageable. And that's when I remembered what I used to know that this is an addiction and that there are 12-step programs out there for me. So being convinced that I am a real compulsive overeater, I'm now ready to hear about the solution. On the bottom of page 25, it says, there is no middle of the road solution. We are in a position where life was becoming impossible. And if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. As my sponsor told me, this is the part where I either pick up the food or pick up the steps. And I'm not interested in blotting out the consciousness of my intolerable situation anymore. So I'm choosing instead to accept spiritual help. Easier said than done. Well, accepting spiritual help was not an easy leap for me. I came into the rooms as a very firm agnostic. I had previously been somebody who was actually a very vocal atheist and had a lot of 
ingrained intolerance towards religion and the word God. So there was a lot of what I read and heard in the rooms that made me experience discomfort. But again, I was convinced that there was no other alternative. And I couldn't, because I couldn't see any other alternative, I had to trust in the 12 steps. And I did have trust in the 12 steps because I'd seen them work for another person in my life in a different program. And once I started attending meetings, I could also see it working in the lives of the other people in, in the rooms. And so I, so I made the leap. It says on page 28, uh, we in our turn sought the same escape with all the desperation of drowning men. What seemed at first a flimsy reed has proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. A new life has been given us, or if you prefer a design for living that really works. So the solution that the big book offers has made a huge difference in my life today. Those compulsions that used to be such a big part of my life have gone away. It's not, it's not a daily fight. You know, I have these trigger foods in, in my house because I live with people who are not compulsive readers. I prepare the, this food for my daughter if I get it on my hands. You know, I used to be the person, you know, licking my, my fingers if I got anything on it. Now it's like, like it's touching raw meat. It's like I, I wouldn't even think about putting it in my in my mouth I just go and wash my hands and but so much more importantly than the fact that the compulsions have gone away what's more important is the other transformations that I've seen in my life and it's almost like food is like the the afterthought because through the step four through nine process and now living in steps 10, 11, and 12, I've actually been able to find freedom from a lot of the overwhelming anxieties and panic attacks that had been getting progressively worse for me over the last five years. And Two minutes, Catherine. Thank you. Uh, my relationships with my partner, my daughter, and some friends and family members have been improved uh, so much as I've learned to become less self-centered and selfish and self-seeking in my interactions with them. Um, and I'm really, really grateful for where I am today. Uh, I'm also very conscious that all I have is a daily reprieve contingent on continuing to work the steps in my daily life. And that's honestly really exciting to me that I get to to see this experience that, I, that I've already had deepen and change through this daily practice and see how this experience of recovery grows and evolves over time. So thank you again for inviting me to share about this chapter in my story today. I'll pass. Meredith, you are unmuted. Sorry. Um, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, 
sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to, to keep the meeting on track. Um, if you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order uh, and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Is anybody wanting to share or ask a question? If not, I'm gonna jump in there. All right, I'm going in. Um, Catherine, I, I don't know if you said this and I just didn't pick up on it. Well, first of all, when you said, um, I would feel my emotions as hunger. Oh my gosh, I, me too. <laughs> but I never said that out loud or I don't know. It was just kind of has always been floating around in there. That was like so revolutionary to hear. Um, and then, okay, so you, you said, I thought that abstinence was the solution. And that's a big part of my story too. So I was wondering, and I don't know if I missed this. How long were you in OA before it dawned on you that you should probably do the steps <laughs> to get recovery? So I, when I first found out about OA and the concept of abstinence, it was through a book about 12-step food fellowships that was not program literature. And, um, and I just, I read that separately um, and got the concept of abstinence from that, decided I could do it on my own without even going to even one meeting at that point. So I don't, I consider that the moment I found out that I was a food addict, but it was not the moment I joined OA. Um, by the time I joined OA, it was I was already at that point of desperation and ready to work the steps. It still took me a couple of months to find the right sponsor and find find the big book way of doing things. And when, how long ago was that? That was last last year around this time, end of February, I joined OA. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, Amy B, you're up. Thank you. Thank you, Meredith. Thank you, Zach. Thanks, everybody, for doing service here tonight. Welcome to everybody who's new to the meeting, new to OA. So glad that you're here. Um, Catherine, thank you so much for taking us through the chapter which, with such connection and emotion, like I felt you through the screen connecting to all of it. Um, and it's amazing how much we can share, um, even if our the expression of way the way we got here might look a little different or like how we experience the disease or any of that stuff, um, just how much is in common. And the thing that leapt out from your narrative today that overlaps with mine, with such synchronicity, is you said, and please forgive me if I'm missing the the uh, exact uh, 
tense here, but you had said, I remembered that I was an addict or I remembered that I knew that I was an addict or something. I had a very similar experience like that where like way before in the past, I was like, wait a minute, what if I'm an addict and I can't quit eating, but I can quit using food as a drug. And I thought I was brilliant. And you know what? It worked for a time because I wasn't wrong about that piece, but I was missing the spiritual solution part of it. So it fell apart and the mental twist crept in. And I did that whole, it's ridiculous to be afraid of a specific piece of food. Like that's just silly. Suddenly the idea occurred to me that like, I can have this, come on, like all of those things. And it just sort of happened. And then when I got here, when I got to OA and it was like right at the beginning, I was like, right, addict, addict. I'm an addict. And I forgot that and I can never forget that. And you spoke so like I heard the emotion in your voice when you were talking about I am a real, I don't know if you said real alcoholic or real compulsive overeater or which word you use, but like I am a real like me too. And I always have been. Always, 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 for as long as I can remember, obsessed with food before I knew that what I was 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 obsessed. My my it seemed the only normal one to borrow from the doctor's opinion for a moment. But this chapter that lays out those moderate, hard and then compulsive addict behavior is really, really important for me to recognize that like. I'm an addict and I need a solution for addicts and how conveniently that this chapter is called There is a Solution and this book is a plan on how to recover from addiction. Um, Yeah, thanks for, uh, you know, taking us to school tonight. Great meeting. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Amy. Sharon, share with us, please. Hi, thank you. Wow, what a perfect first meeting back. Um, thank you, Catherine. I I had, I don't know, just short of three years of recovery and uh, fell face first into some foods <laughs> um, and thought I could do it myself. I had three years, I'll be fine. And no. And I'm, and and I'm, and I don't even care about the weight. I am sick of feeling sick from the food. Um, and I thank you, Catherine, everything that you, you said really, it was just, it was just what I needed to hear tonight. And I'm glad that I got on this meeting at 430. I was sitting and waiting because I knew I needed this to be my first meeting back. So, um, thank you for that. And, um, I miss being here. I hope this will be the start to all good things. Thank you. Welcome home, Sharon. We're so glad you're here. Yvonne, will you share with us, please? Uh, 
Hi, everybody. I'm Yvonne A., compulsive overeater from BC, Canada. Catherine, fellow Canadian, thank you so much for your share tonight. And we've talked before, so I know a little bit about your story, but just so many similarities uh, in my story as well. And we're kind of picking up on this theme of doing it on our own. And uh, I guess maybe a lot of us go there first, right? I, I started coming to meetings just in, in February last year. and um, you know, people were encouraging me to get a sponsor. And I eventually just said, well, I I'm pretty sure if someone just like gives me the instructions that I'll be able to do this on my own. Um, and it was so interesting to see that process in my head that not wanting to um, come all the way in and sit all the way down. I didn't, I, I, I there was a combination of not wanting to make the commitment of not wanting to be vulnerable and ask somebody to sponsor me, risk somebody saying, oh no, you're far too, too far gone for anybody to help. Um, and then just that wanting control, like that not want, knowing that if I was doing it on my own, I would still have an out. I wouldn't have to explain to a sponsor why yet again, I ate the bag of cookies or, you know, bought the family size bag of potato chips for a Friday night. Um, I could just push the rewind button, erase all that in my own mind and go, okay, I, don't, don't, I, I got this. I've got this. Um, and I mean, I can't tell you how many decades I had this for um, and never had it. So it, it is interesting that little battle we have at the beginning of I can do this. Now I'm in this place where I belong to this beautiful fellowship, uh, which is, you know, we all there are so many important and crucial pieces of the program, the spiritual experience, the 12 steps themselves, but the fellowship is what keeps me here. I don't want to give this up now. I don't want to not be a part of this group um, who, you know, meets regularly and talks about these crazy things that go on in our heads. Um, so I am just so blessed to be here to hear all of your stories. And Catherine, thank you. Like I say, there's a lot of similarities. So I really appreciate your share tonight. Thank you. And I'll pass. Thank you, Yvonne. Heidi B, will you share with us, please? Yes, I, thank you. Um, Catherine, thank you so much for your service. Um, I love the way that you took us through the um, chapter. And there was so much that I resonated with as well. Um, I think the thing that's kind of front of mind is the when I got pregnant, I had the experience of, I, I had just come off of a restrictive, very restrictive diet, my first one. Um, and getting pregnant was like free license to eat. And, you know, and it was like, no one would say anything. And, you know, it was just like, yeah, I've got a craving. Like I, I need to have these things, you know? <laughs> um, and, uh, and I hadn't ever thought of it, but when you mentioned like you know, spending time with your child as, um, you know, the special time. And it was always around, you know, these alcoholic foods. I totally did the same thing and I never even like thought about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's sort of what's front of mind for me. And um, sadly, my son has uh, picked up some of those habits, but, you know, um, he has his own um, path. Uh, but 
yeah and then um when you started getting into the solution and just the the crossroads of like it's either the food or the steps and i remember before coming into back into program after like a six year relapse i was like i kind of chose the food i was like i give up i give up and that was really my step one experience um you know i knew that i couldn't fight it i knew that i couldn't win um and i thought that there was no hope and then i got a little glimmer of hope and here i am so anyway glad to have heard you tonight and thanks for letting me share thank you heidi amy l will you share with us yes hi everyone amy in california and I want to thank uh, everyone for your service and thank you so much, Catherine. I am sorry I was late and I'll, I look forward to listening, but I love what you shared and it brought back so many memories of me when my kids were young and um, I had already been in a way in my 20s and my 30s. I had my kids actually in my 40s and I was out of away when I had my daughter and I, re I remember her being 10 months old and sitting up and I was binging and she was staring at me mm -hmm. and I saw this little beautiful being staring at her mommy and I grew up watching my mom binge and, you know, to me, that was like a God thing. I didn't even believe in God in the time, but I saw her eyes. I saw she saw me out. I was gone. I certainly wasn't with her. And I said, I'm going to go back to OA. I don't want this to be her legacy. And you'd think that would be the, the start of my beautiful recovery. And, the, and no, because, you know, we learn in the big book, no man, woman wants to admit we are like other people. And that the, the greatest illusion, delusion is that we can someday eat, drink like other people. The persistence of this delusion is astonishing. And it truly was because I got in program, I got abstinent. Lo and behold, when I got pregnant my son, with my son, I developed morning sickness. And my whole pregnancy with my daughter, I was sick. I actually, I was sick the whole time. I lost weight. So it was not the usual pregnancy. Well, with my son, when that happened, I couldn't eat much. I just ate a little. What did I think? My addict brain. I don't need a way. I don't need a way because I didn't understand then the spiritual solution. I didn't understand the bondage of self. I didn't understand how my self-reliance was the problem. So it took me a long time to come. Yeah, I came back again in my late 40s, and then I had a spiritual experience. And But again, that persistence of this delusion, illusion, I forget the word, is astonishing. Many pursue it until the gates of hell. And that was me. That is me. Unless I choose my higher power. I choose to be with you all. I choose 
to be, to let go and accept this beautiful way of life. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Thanks. Thank you, Amy.